It's the best-selling book of all time, better known as the Bible, with an estimated 5 billion copies sold and distributed worldwide. Yet this book has ancient roots that trace back to ancient Near Eastern civilizations over 3,000 years ago. These early civilizations were shaped by their stories of creation, chaos, floods, plagues, and their gods. These stories sought to address the questions all thoughtful societies ask. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright suggests that what these stories hope to answer is where are we, who are we, what is wrong, and what is the solution? The answers to these questions would have passed down through oral tradition until finally written down by hand. The origin of the Hebrew Bible stems from the stories Israel told about their God and his interaction with his people. They are the inspired testimony of the people of faith about their journey. Contrary to misconceptions, the Bible didn't fall out of the sky complete with a table of contents containing 66 books with over 40 authors and written over a span of nearly 1,500 years by people who lived in very different periods of history with different perceptions of God and his purpose for Israel. Nonetheless, God used these men to craft stories, sophisticated poetry, masterful metaphor, in attempts to answer humanity's toughest questions about life and death. The Bible wasn't written in a vacuum apart from any human involvement. He allows us to participate as co-creators with his creation. Just as Jesus can be seen as both divine and human, so can the church be seen as having both divine and human elements. The same can be said about the Bible. Containing the divinely inspired words of God intertwined with the humanity of the writers who composed it. The humanity of the authors in no way detracts from the divinity of the Bible as long as it's serving its purpose and pointing to Jesus. Early in their history, Israel found themselves as slaves in Egypt before God used Moses to lead them out into the wilderness. They would eventually establish a kingdom in Israel where they would build their first temple. In 586 BC, the Babylonians conquer Israel, destroy the temple, and take many away into exile. In about 538 BC, many of the Jews began to return to their land and rebuild what would become known as the Second Temple, where they began reforming their identity as a nation. It's at this time most scholars believe the Hebrew Bible began to take shape into the form we recognize today. It was around 400 BC that a consensus arose that a single collection of sacred books should be established. The book of Maccabees credits Nehemiah for founding a library and collecting books about the kings, the prophets, and the writings of David. According to tradition, 120 sages, known as the men of the great assembly, acted as a governing body overseeing the compilings of many writings between 410 B.C. and 310 B.C. The participants, as well as the time period, are still debated. Nearly 1,000 years of oral traditions were compiled with existing written text. With the exception of a few books that were debated over the years, by 200 B.C., most of the Hebrew Bible was in a fixed form that the Jews considered being authoritative. This Bible was made up of a threefold division, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. 
In 332 BC, Alexander the Great, as king of ancient Greece, defeated the Persians and would now rule over the Jews. This led to what is known as the Jewish diaspora, the exile of many Jews from their homeland into other Greek-speaking countries. In the 3rd century BC, the Greek king of Egypt, Ptolemy II, Philadelphus, requested that 70 Jewish scholars independently translate the Hebrew canon into Greek for inclusion in the Library of Alexandria. This translation is called the Septuagint, or often referred to as LXX, the Roman numeral for 70. This version of the Hebrew Bible would quickly become the standard go-to Bible of the early church. Paul was establishing Gentile churches, and there was a need for a Bible Gentiles could read. Of nearly 400 Old Testament passages that are quoted in the New Testament, over 80% are quoted from the LXX. Jewish thought was divided among different sects, including the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and Essenes. Each differed on the interpretation of scripture, geography, and even which books and writings should be considered authoritative. This intertestamental period produced several extra-biblical writings, also known as Second Temple literature, which some considered authoritative, some considered supplemental, and some rejected. These writings are referred to as apocryphal writings, and the authorship and dating of these writings are unknown. The Septuagint contains seven of these writings. At the turn of the first century AD, Greek had quickly become the primary language of its day. As a result of historical happenstance, the Greek Septuagint quickly replaced the Hebrew Bible as the primary sacred text of its day. For nearly 1,400 years, the church contained seven additional books in their Bible, which are missing from our modern Protestant version. These books are known as the Deuterocanonical books. It wasn't until the 16th century that the Reformers broke away from the Catholic Church and began to question the authority of these books that were found in the Septuagint, but not in the Masoretic text. Martin Luther and others would use existing Hebrew text as a litmus test for what stays in and what is left out. At the time, there were no Hebrew manuscripts to validate these seven apocryphal books, so they were left out. That's why our Protestant Old Testament only contains 39 books, while the Catholic Bible contains 46. Even the first edition of the King James 1611 Bible contained these apocryphal books. The year 1947 is a key date in the history of biblical scholarship. Prior to 1947, if you wanted to examine the oldest manuscript of the complete Hebrew Bible, you would be looking at a manuscript known as Leningradensis, which was written in 1000 AD. There was also an incomplete manuscript called the Aleppo Codex, which was missing most of the Torah and was dated to the 900s AD. This text is still today considered to be the most authoritative manuscript in what we call the Masoretic tradition. So prior to 1947, the oldest Hebrew manuscript available was a product of the Middle Ages, transcribed nearly 1,000 years after Jesus. If you wanted older manuscript, you would have the LXX, which some of it dated to 200 BC, but it's not Hebrew, it's in Greek. We know the LXX used a different manuscript because it differs in many places with the Masoretic text. In 1947, 
at the archaeological site known as Qumran in the Judean desert of the West Bank, researchers began the process of removing 972 ancient Jewish manuscripts known as the Dead Sea Scrolls that were initially discovered by shepherds. Many of these texts were fragments that would take years to clean and process. These texts were able to be carbon dated, and what they discovered was that these texts dated back between 150 BC and 70 AD. Why is this significant? Remember, prior to 1947, the Masoretic text was the only textual tradition that we had a copy of, and it was dated around 1000 AD. The Protestant tradition rejected the Septuagint version since at the time there was no Hebrew manuscript to affirm its translation, nor the inclusion of the Apocrypha. At Qumran, several manuscripts that align with the Masoretic text, as well as the Samaritan Pentateuch, were found. What's more significant is that they found Hebrew manuscripts that aligned with the Septuagint against the Masoretic text that dated back to the 2nd century B.C., they also found several other texts that didn't align with the other three, which scholars refer to as unaffiliated texts. Timothy Lim, who is the professor of Hebrew Bible and Second Temple Period at New College, the University of Edinburgh, has written several books and articles on the Dead Sea Scrolls and says this in one of his articles. Quote, before the first century CE, the biblical books were characterized by textual fluidity. There were different versions of a particular book. Other examples include the addition or absence of phrases and clauses, large and small, in the corresponding biblical text. The sectarian communities reflected in the scrolls were not troubled by the textual variants of their biblical text. They saw different readings of the same biblical text to be indicative of the many meanings of scripture that they considered authoritative. The sectarians also did not have a clear delineation of the boundary between biblical and non-biblical books. For them, authoritative scriptures consist of the traditional biblical books, but also other ones that were left out of the Protestant and Jewish canons, but included in the Catholic and Orthodox canons. The Book of Jubilee or the Book of Enoch, for example. Moreover, there were other scriptures not included in any contemporary canon that were considered authoritative. End of quote. The discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947 and the culmination of research over the next several decades revealed that for the sectarian Jewish communities during the intertestamental period leading up to Jesus, there was no one singular version of the Hebrew Bible. These Jewish communities were not throwing out certain textual variances in favor of another. They were content on living among different interpretations and variances, even going to great lengths to preserve them all. The Hebrew Bible unveils a progressive revelation as the faithful record of a people whose progressive religious experiences moved forward from dim glimpses to higher and truer conceptions of God.